0: I'm Dr. Greg Winteregg, CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance. I want to talk to all of you students out there today who are wondering what your future is going to be like as a career in dentistry, as an assistant, as a hygienist, as a dentist. Where is this profession going with the rapid increase of the DSO movement? I'm here to tell you the PDA is going to help you and I want you to become a member today. It is free. Now why should you become a member? You're gonna get weekly video updates from me and you're gonna get regular updates of our newsletters from the Alliance on exactly what is happening and how we are going to help preserve and protect the private practice of dentistry. Now to me, the most important advantage is you are going to get access to our job board. What is that? Our private practicing members all have access to our PDA job board. Which means, if they have an opening in their private practice of assistant, hygienist, doctor, front office staff, they're going to be able to post it. And you're going to be able to check up regularly. And as our membership grows, we're going to be covering larger and larger territories across the United States. If you are looking for a job in any position in the office of a private practice, you need to become a student member today. It is free. Go to www.privatedental.org and become a student member today. You're going to love your benefits. Do it now.
1: What is up, guys? It's your boy Matt Havis back out of a dental student advice podcast. Today we have a very special interview. We dive deep into the clinical realm of dentistry. A little bit of a change from our normal business aspect and how to get into dental school, stuff of that nature. So today we sit down with Dr. Jose Roque. He is a general dentist. In Sarasota, practicing at Greenberg Dental and Orthodontics, he is just an incredible clinician. He is a clinical lion. I got to say, he talks about he's seven years out of school, and the high-level endo he does, everything he does for his patients, he truly is a wonderful practitioner, and he is someone everyone needs to learn from. So tune in, listen to his journey through dental school, how he became a dentist, why he became a dentist, how important externships are. And how he deals with problems in his practice as things arise, whether it's clinically, anything of that nature. He loves talking about it. He wants us to learn. Truly, truly wonderful. we love to have him on again. So follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Let us know what you think. Make sure you guys give us a like, comment, and review. Let us know what you think of the interview. We'd love to hear your feedback and everything. So as always, let's stay safe and vibe on.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Student Vibes podcast. We have a crazy episode for you guys today. We got a squad here, the fam. We're sitting at the table. We're about to have a fire interview. We got a very special guest, the man, the machine, Dr. Jose Roque with us. Uh, I'm Seth Kalish. We have Matt Havis, and then we have two very special D1 students, Stephanie Barry and Dallin Milne. How are you guys today? Dr. Roque, thanks for joining us. Thank you for
3: having me. Good evening, brothers. I'm I'm excited for
2: this. Awesome, man. Awesome. I'm, I'm really excited. So Dr. Jose Roque Jr., DDS, discovered his passion for dentistry after completing a vocational interest test as a sophomore attending Booker High School in Sarasota, Florida. He holds an Associate in Arts from State College of Florida, a Bachelor of Science in Food Science from the University of Florida, and a Doctor of Dental Surgery degree from Creighton University School of Dentistry. He finished his career by obtaining an advanced education in general dentistry certificate from Wichita State University. Dr. Roque enjoys giving back to the local community through Give Kids a Smile, Team Smile, Remote Area Medical and Project Christmas Smile. He is currently practicing dentistry at Greenberg Dental and Orthodontics in Sarasota. So I was very fortunate to go on an externship to shadow Dr. Roque. Dr. Roque let me dabble in some dentistry and man, what a teacher. Awesome experience. Awesome experience, bro. So Dr. Roke, let's, uh, let's, let's start with that. Um, so I walk in there first day, not knowing what to expect for this externship. This is how I meet Dr. Roke. He's like, Oh, what's up, brother? How are you doing? Like, come on, you ready? You ready? Let's get going. Like, I, I got a feeling for you. Like, let's just jump into it, man. Like, awesome. Great experience. You know, I think one of the, um, things that I just got right off the bat from Dr. Roke was, all, everybody around him loves him. His team members love him. You know, that, that's how you build like an awesome practice. So Dr. Roque, how, how did you just, you know, right off the bat, how, how did you start building this team around you?
3: Um, well, you know, it, it's definitely not success overnight. It definitely takes um, a lot of time invested. I think one of the biggest things that you can do for your staff is to give them purpose. And to encourage them, I think when you give somebody purpose, they really are motivated to come to work. When you're keeping them on their toes by doing different procedures they maybe have never seen or assisted on, that really excites them. And just having overall um, just love, love for these people. I mean, they they can see it. They know I come to work, and they know I'm hungry. Uh, it's just and we make we change lives. So I'm very blessed uh, with the staff I have around me, but it's definitely was one of those things where you it's kind of like your army people your army buddies like you're going into war together you know or going Mm -hmm. through something together so you just naturally um you just kind of pull together you know closer and over time it's if you're fortunate and maybe the right personalities come together you 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 get lucky and you get a great staff
2: awesome man and if you guys uh listening here we got the doggy with us cute cute girl um so dr roca you you talk about it didn't happen overnight so let's go way back let's start from the beginning let's let's give the audience like how did you get to this point in your life where you know you're making such an impact on on other people like so how did it start like you going through dental school how did that all come together there
3: so we're talking about kind of like pre-dental yeah yeah yeah. give me your pre-dental journey well you know it's 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 funny i i i graduated from University of Florida. I was there from 2008 and 2009 years, uh, academia years. And um, that time that I was there, it was the only time ever in the history of recruiting for Creighton University School of Dentistry uh, at University of Florida. And so for consecutive years, the same um, associate professor came to kind of try to recruit for Creighton. And Um, I was fortunate to get an interview. And so that following year when I saw him, uh, I was excited to tell him and he's like, hey, why don't you call me when you come into town and I'll take you out to like, uh, we'll go out to dinner. We could show you the school before your interview tomorrow. And so that was a big blessing, uh, Dr. Gregory Davis. But long story short, uh, I ended up getting into Creighton. Um, I had a a choice between uh, Nova Southeastern and Fort Lauderdale and Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. It was definitely one of those huge fork in the roads. I think my self really wanted to stay local and be close to home and have family in South Florida. It would have been really tight to like come home on the weekends and stuff. But for whatever reason, they had the right mentors and the right people in my life at the time to really encourage me to step out of my comfort zone. So that, that, that led me to Omaha, Nebraska. And so mm-hmm. I was there for four years. It was uh very, challenging adapting to you know the elements it's yeah, like Florida boy sure. <laughs> Florida boy you know moving to the midwest and a lot of my classmates were from the midwest so like a lot of them like new snow and stuff but i was very like naive how'd you survive the winter you know i'm gonna just segue this this uh this story real quick my fourth year i came home for christmas and i was in miami it was like 82 degrees, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like the next day, I remember like I flew in that night. It was like Sunday night, and then like that next Monday, got in my my vehicle, like my breath you could see in the cab, you know, of the of the vehicle, and I turned the car on. The thermometer said negative oh, 13. So we went from like I don't know if it's like possible for your body to adapt <laughs> that, that fast or to that extreme, but yeah. Um, yeah, it always
4: dropped 95 degrees. No big deal. No big deal,
3: right? But, you know, I got to come home on the, on the, it was a nice balance because I got to be somewhere new, but all these holidays, I was usually coming back home and it was a good balance like, I got to travel a lot in the Midwest because like, you know, four hours from here isn't very far in the direction where you can get to, Mm -hmm. but four hours in any direction in Omaha, Nebraska, you can be like in a
4: whole different part of the country. Right. Isn't that crazy? So it's it's kind of cool. Geographically
3: it opens up your perspective so much, Uh you know, like seeing different things. Like I could have stayed at NOVA and it would have been probably a good experience too, but like, I don't think I would have grown as much as I did uh, being in in Omaha for four years and then in Wichita State University for for my fifth year.
2: Cool. Yeah. So you talk about, you you mentioned following your mentors, you know, and that's, Dal and I were talking about this earlier. Um, Like you, you found somebody that was motivated and we, We found these two, Stephanie and Dow, That's why they're here with us tonight, because they're motivated, you know. And like, I want these two to succeed. I really do. I really think they're going to. You know, they're they're at the top of their class. Like, they're making moves. So, let me let me pause here. Do you guys have any questions for Dr. Roker? Well, I mean, I have a few questions that I think I'm going to wait until we get into more of the dentistry side of things. Um, Like, as a D1, there's a lot that I don't know. Like, there's a lot that I want to know, and I I like I'm. I wish I knew everything right now. Obviously I don't and I can't. Uh, I guess my question right now would be like, what would be your advice to someone like me who is either like a pre-dental or just in their first year and maybe not feeling frustrated, but maybe like intimidated by just like the world of dentistry and how much like you need to know and be able to do, like how, what would you tell yourself or tell me?
3: Yeah, in hindsight, you know, being in that scenario, I mean, like, I was one of those that, like, freshman year needed remediation for dental anatomy. You know, we had these, like, really scary practicals. They weren't even, like, on the typodont. It was, like, to scale, uh, you know, carve up a piece of wax. Right. I remember the first one that, like, I didn't really understand the balance between the hot flame, the spoon, and the wax in addition. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, we had this, like, 21 millimeter premolar or something that or a canine or something that I had to do. So this root is already thin as it is. And at those temperatures, I mean, it, it got really hot. And I, I, I failed that, that, that competency you know, that practical, cause like the root was not 21 millimeters after yeah, that, you yeah. know, but I guess, you know, Dylan asked to answer your question. Um, I think it's just perfectly normal to be kind of like have that anxiety, you know, I mean, I think dentistry is changing every day, you know there's mm-hmm. like so much to know. Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, that I could advise you is just to stay encouraged. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are in your shoes too, you know, that you may not know. So I think a lot of people tend to be like, kind of like very um,
2: low key, you know, Yeah. pretend like they have it all together, you know,
3: <laughs> but I think, you know, the, the only other thing I could recommend is things you don't know, um, try to find, you know, forums or try to find mentors, try to find people that you can tap into, even if it's not you know, uh, side by side, maybe a phone call, maybe someone you could send a text message to, or x-ray or just something, you know, I think using your community, using your resources, I think mm-hmm. is, is, is very clutch when it comes to someone that's kind of new and going through that, that those growing pains. Yeah, thank you.
2: That's great. Yeah, I mean, just making friends and just discussing right. stuff, Right. yeah.
0: Yeah, and also what steps did you take to get ahead as a D1?
3: well you know i mean i'll be honest with you i was definitely not like top of my class like i barely kind of skimmed by my first year but um i think the biggest thing was just kind of staying i mean it was tough to try to like not go out you know if like you were invited to go out it's like you knew if you went out you might not be feeling very well the next day and then and then you've ruined your whole weekend of studying and now you're like monday facing you know like A test or something, you know, first year is terrible. It's crazy with the didactics and the the competencies and practicals. But, um, again, I think just kind of putting in the time. I mean, there's, there's no secret sauce there or secret recipe. You got to put in the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you don't put in the time, the results show. And so you just got to resist temptation, I guess you could say, or lock yourself in your room or, you know, do what you got to do. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough. So you just got to be prepared. It's a long road to the top. It sure is <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> very small. Do you, light. Know that, yeah. you know,
4: we strive it's four it, years yeah, at, at least, is, you know, I mean, you just got to strive and get through the classes, go through like the clinical aspect of it as well, you know, Seth and I are phasing out of, you know, classes and moving into clinic as we treat patients, you see, it's completely different from the theoretical standpoint of sim lab, you know, I did a root canal today. And I've never seen a number 10 look like how it did. It was like stumpy. It didn't look like that beautiful profile that you see and you type it on, you know, where you stare at that for two years. Didn't look like that. So trying to like, you know, do an access on that tooth, There wasn't enough to do that beautiful triangular access. You just put a pinpoint hole, hit the, you know, hit the chamber and you started filing. Sure. You know, it was completely, yeah, you adapted. And I was like, okay, well, they didn't teach us this bit and, you know, in endo, you know what yeah, I mean? So absolutely. you just adapt and you overcome and, you know, you just get there you know, fake it you make it, I guess. Absolutely.
2: Bro, I'm telling you, like, come into clinic, hang out. Bro, I get so <laughs> pumped. Like, I, you know, I just remember when I was like a D1 or a D2, and I, I would see them doing this. I'm like, oh, man, I want to do this, you know? Like, I'm like maybe I'm just passionate. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a passionate <laughs> man.
4: So, Steph has an extraction on Monday actually. Do yeah, you really? I'm yeah. so excited. 2 30.
2: 2 30.
3: That's a good one. Yeah. Ooh. Well, we'll get into some <laughs>
2: techniques yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. She, don't, she'll be sexy next week. I'm doing it on Monday. Oh, right. Monday, yeah. <laughs> yeah. on Monday now. Okay. So, uh, moving now past uh, the first couple years of dental school. Now, what, when you got into clinic, what? So, what was your clinic experience like? You told me a good story earlier. get to that about you going on your externship but how about when you first started you started clinic in third year third year yeah Yeah. we were
3: doing just very basic like exams and profies and Mm -hmm. a lot of shadowing our second years in the different departments at crane crane by the way didn't have didn't have any specialty programs so we we got a chance to really dive into some very comprehensive dentistry uh, really advanced special almost kind of specialty style dentistry and so um you know, that was kind of second year, but third year we stepped in and with not having any specialties, I mean, it wouldn't be shocking that, I know, Stephanie, you said you got a number 30 next week, but wouldn't be shocking that you, you know, you got like a Molarendo or a set of whizzies or right. just something outlandish, you know, and you're just like starting in the clinic. So um, I think that's just the way that Crane was, like a lot of our staff, or I'm sorry, our, our professors were like ex-military. Mm-hmm. So they were very old school. I mean, they were all great, but they were super old school. I mean, obviously it's not the new glitz and glam CAD cam kind of uh, background from your professor, but these guys had probably drilled on millions of teeth in their career. <laughs> right. Right. And so these are good guys and girls, um, professors that really just uh, poured into you in, in whatever experience you were facing, whether that was, you know, some crazy endo or a surgery
2: or, Something like that. Mm-hmm. So don't don't you do uh, implants? Isn't implants requ- one implant is required at, uh, Creighton? That might be a new, Bro, that, A new
4: competency. That's Sweet, crazy. you know, like yeah. you place the implant itself, or you're storing implant.
3: Um, it
4: probably would be. I think it was the whole thing. Yeah, it was the whole thing. You go through from, from start to finish. Yeah.
3: I didn't get a chance to oh, do that. Man, I didn't place any crazy. implants in, um, in dental school. I did place them, place about
4: five in, in my AGD, mm-hmm. But I. What's your opinion on that? Do you. You like implants Do you want to get into implant dentistry?
3: yeah yeah i mean i think there's a lot of things that i want to dive into more uh comprehensively so that i could be a better kind of well-rounded um offer multiple kind of services dentist you know uh it's definitely on the radar that functional crown lengthening you know i think that's something that i just want to just have in my back pocket because there's times where there's decay that just really really just makes it very difficult to capture a nice margin, you know, sometimes, you know, it's on multiple surfaces. So it'd be really nice to just be comfortable with a really nice, easy, predictable flap, having the right armamentarium to remove the bone. It'd be a great service to add. Um And then just, uh I mean, yeah, bet- besides those two things, I think like eventually I just want to just dive in more into just more endo. I feel like I got a good experience with it, but uh, you can't ever do like more endo, you know, like you just can't ever top out on doing endo. I'm sure there's still like a chance where things just get really difficult, really quick, you know, limited access, difficult patients, Mm -hmm. uh, hot teeth, you know, a lot of those things can be very challenging. I did one today. I
4: basically (laughs) an (laughs) endodontist
1: one canal, one canal, that's
4: all it takes. But I mean, I, I love that though. How you talk about comprehensive dentistry and everything, because it's so powerful, you know, for case acceptance and all that stuff with your patients where you can, you know, you say, okay, well, the decay is deep. I'm going to have to do an extra procedure. No worries. I can do it. It's all going to be done here in one chair by one doctor rather than having to send them out to one office, get it done. Then they come back to you you to do the rest, you know, because they already earned your trust. Absolutely. You know, and they
3: prefer that they prefer not to go to another practice if they can, um, they prefer you to do it. So if you can have more, uh, techniques or more things in your repertoire, it just makes you just that much more valuable dentist.
2: So where did you learn how to do the molar endo? So yeah, he's, he's showing me all these molar endos he's doing. I'm like, wow. dang, bro. Like he, he does it well and he does it a lot. Really? Like, so yeah. So how did you start learning how to do all this?
3: So I think there was a lot of, uh, and i had uh, five or six co-residents. I can't think right now, as far as like, you know, who was in my AGD, but I feel like everyone had a different experience in their AGD. Someone got a lot of implant experience some other people got a lot of crown and bridge experience. I was the one that just got like the molar experience. So like, I think at one point I did like seven or eight molars back to back, like over the span of a couple weeks at, uh, in my, in my clinic at Wichita state university AGD, uh, the attendings were, you know, just top-notch They're local, uh, endodontists that come in and volunteer their time, or maybe they're staffed. I, I can't remember but you get somebody almost like a, like a one-on-one kind of experience. You know I mean? How cool is that? Like, you know, sometimes they might like, you know, if it was a little crazy, they might like help you or something, you know, with your access or do something, but overall you were the one that was like going through the steps. So again, I think that there's um, with experience, you know, now next month I'll be doing it for seven years. I think the, the biggest thing that's kind of my biggest experience that I've been gained so, uh, so far with endo is just knowing my scope, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing like the difficulty scale, maybe there's like calcification or maybe there's just really kind of curved canals.
2: Right. But you feel comfortable like hitting that up.
3: Well, that's the thing. You got to use judgment. I mean, sometimes too, it's, it's, I'll be very busy and it might just not, might not be productive for me to spend the time and the resources doing that. I mean, yeah, I can do it. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that I'm the best at doing it. I don't think I'm a specialist level doing it. You know, I mean, we are doing it. Um, it's you're right. It does, it does get patients out of pain. It does, you know, we're doing crowns and using them as abutments later after, but it's definitely one of those things where I don't think you can do, you can overdo endo because I've heard one of my professors attending said, uh, root canals are like snowflakes they're just all very different mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, yeah. there's nothing worse than being in a tooth and you miss maybe uh, misjudged uh, maybe the difficulty or maybe the patient management. There's been times where I could have done an endo, but the patient was such a like limited access and it was just such a nightmare. Like I think it was like 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. It was really difficult. Mm-hmm. So I just told her I medicated it, it as like a you know, free pulpectomy you know, I want you to go get this finished with the specialist. You know, I wasted a couple hours, I guess you could say, get, get the patient out of pain. But um, that's definitely something that I don't think you can overdo. I think the hardest thing is to be consistent, really finding you know all the canals, you know, MB2, um, finding a second distal canal in a mandibular molar. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see all these kind of Instagram posts with the mid mesials and stuff like that. They're there. Mm-hmm. It's just, are you performing at that? level of the specialism. I'm not using a scope. I have 3.5 magnification loops. You know, it's definitely takes armamentarium, you know, um, the thing uh ultrasonic Mm -hmm. ultrasonic oh the agitator and everything well not the activator but just like something like trench with like an ultrasonic or ultrasonic ultrasonic uh like um piezo electric kind of thing you know that trench to like be conservative Mm -hmm. you know i've a lot of stuff on my own yeah you know like different little things we'll kind of talk about here right and a little bit you know that's kind of helped me make make it a little easier Mm -hmm. but
4: so in terms of endo and everything the big thing is now they're talking about cbct ultra conservative accesses and everything is that something that you're implementing or do you plan on implementing it later on in your
3: i mean there's even things called like gentle wave i don't know if you've heard of gentle wave wave, but it's like some technology where you can be very conservative in your canal preparation (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the way the gentle wave works is it really i don't know how if it disinfects or what it does but you'll you won't be it won't be surprising to see a 20 um like a like a number 20 file be the master apical file really? because they use the gentle wave to be able to like sure. really clean out, really clean out the, um, the canals and the infection and stuff like that. So Very cool. I think, I think, you know, like I have a, um, I have a molar endo in me. Uh, my number 19, 30, my number 30 is, uh, root canal and, and, uh, post and core and crowns. And it was—it's been there for at least fifteen years plus, you know. Okay. And so, but I had I had a decay, and it was very localized. So I had a lot of good periphery mm-hmm. of my tooth left. Nice. After, so I think it really these endo successes and the endo prognosis really just comes down to uh, how much of the tooth you have left to work with. Gotcha. Because a post posting court can only do so much to hold up a build-up. But if you're especially if you're, on a molar as well. Molar, yeah. You know, if you're relying on a post to to retain your crown, then you know you may not have enough ferrule and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that's where the crown lengthening comes in. That's where the full shark crown lengthening yeah, There you in. go. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it, you know.
2: Gotcha. Um, so last last thing about the end of we'll we'll throw a little practice management in here. So um One of the things we like to talk about as a KPI key production indicator is um, same day conversions of treatment, right? Mm -hmm. So you do your exam and the patient needs endo. Do you have room in your schedule to convert this patient from an exam to a production column, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So that's like a specific KPI to indicate your productivity in the practice, right? (laughs) For you to be profitable. So, all right, now this is a specific question. So you mentioned like, maybe it's not worth it for that day. Do you think that, um, would you convert a molar endo on the same day for same day conversion or would you just leave it to um, anterior endo or do you think endo is not worth the same day conversion or just keep it a fixed or something like that? Mm.
3: I mean, Seth, that's such a loaded question. I mean, it just all really depends. Yeah. On that. <laughs> oh, a terrible question. Yeah. Throw that <laughs> hand grenade <or> back. <laughs> Throw it back. It yeah. just so depends yeah. on, on what the schedule looks like, what kind of help you have. Yeah. I mean, if I'm on full force, my four rock star assistants, and I mean, I'm feeling it. Like if I'm feeling <laughs> like, I'm like, you know what? Like this looks pretty straightforward. I can maybe just get in there and get to a, a tentative, maybe like a... Like a 25, you know, a diameter kind of file that really, you know, do a me, you know, get the patient out of pain, maybe, you know, get the working lengths, you know, recorded so that the next visit is a little more predictable, you know, where it's like, I just have to reopen it up, you know, re-instrument and maybe then at that point, you know, take working length x-rays or, you know, you start using your paper points and, and obturating and then maybe even starting the crown on the same day. So it's, it's really tough to say I've done it. I've done it before, you know. Yeah. Um, is it stressful? Yeah. I mean, it's very stressful to see multiple patients and then to be doing a procedure like endo, where you where it really it needs your divided attention. You know, I mean you could let canal kind of uh the, the the pulp chamber filled with like you know uh sodium hypochlorite and just kind of maybe walk out, do some uh exams or something or check up on another patient, but it really at that point then starts to get into like a like a quality of care or a standard of care. You know what I'm saying? Like it's as much as I want to help somebody, I also don't want to do a disservice, Mm -hmm. you know? So if I feel like this patient's going to be tough to get numb, or if this patient's going to be very difficult, then I may try to just be conservative, maybe give them some medication, maybe get them on the antibiotic, maybe stab them, start taking, you know, the, the ibuprofen, you know, TID, you know, a couple of days leading up to, to the appointment. Um, But I mean, yeah, any chance I can get to help somebody and if I feel like I can do it and I can, you know, succeed in it, I'm all about it. Gotcha. Dr. Okay.
4: the
2: molar express. Molar express. That's what you're
4: doing. (laughs) All those molar endos.
2: Bro, I I told you about molar express, right? No. That was a county dental clinic I used to volunteer at. Really? Okay. That's how I got into dentistry. Really? Yeah, molar express? Yeah, we won't talk about it. (laughs) You on that train? (laughs) I jumped on the train and now I'm chugging along choo-choo. All right. I'll let you guys go ahead. Yeah. Dr. Jose, I wanted, I mean, I wanted to go back a little bit because we mentioned this before about, um, your externship, and I heard a little bit about it at dinner. But I want to make sure our audience hears about this because I, I thought it was really cool. Right. Wait till you guys. Yeah. I mean, this was this was unbelievable <laughs> to me. But yeah, please tell us just a little bit about this externship.
3: Yeah, the American Republic. Yes. yes. Okay. So please. <laughs> so so my fourth year was pretty unique at Creighton because there's a they had a an, like association with a. It's called ILAC Institute of Latin American Concern. And so I went to a Jesuit school. So they were really big in the community service and stuff. And, and so, um, you know, and so, you know, going to, uh, through that, I mean, I was fortunate. I wasn't like the first wave, like a first, I guess, like a first stringer, I guess you would say of who was going to go. But, you know, fortunately, you know, Lord bless me. I was able to go down there and I was there for five weeks with 11 of my other classmates, d We had just kind of started our fourth year. It was the summer of our fourth year. And the way that it worked is uh, there were, there was two nursing fourth years, two medical student fourth years, two pharmacy fourth years, and two dental student fourth years. And what the goal was, was to set up in a compo, like in a little um, area, excuse me, area, and just like kind of provide kind of almost like a full medical, um thing for them like they would get their you know their their drugs from the pharmacist they'd get checked by the doctors the nurses would kind of help everybody and the dentist but the dentists were always like the most in demand because i Mm. feel like it was just never endless like the big thing with the kids we were around was they would um suck on these like fruits off a tree called limoncillos and what it would do is like that acidic ph would really just rot out their front teeth. Mm-hmm. you know so it was really like bad like we were like taking out first molars on like these like 16 and 17 year olds you know so it was really like rough um no x-rays literally set up like a, a, a gas generator it went with my um uh, my my colleague uh, dr anton b Jeez. you know we went down there and we just uh for five weeks provided uh a service like it was like we were like sterilizing instruments like in three buckets, like yeah, cavicide in one or something and like some other crazy stuff in the yeah, other and then God. like water yeah. rinse and dry it off. And we were going to the next one, you know? Um, so All-terrain
4: dentistry, it sounds like. I'm sorry? All-terrain dentistry. Yeah. yeah. I think if you could practice dentistry like that, you could do it
2: anywhere. <laughs> dentistry right. in space. Bro, they don't have, you know, autoclaves in space. How do you think the astronauts get their fillings? out? All right, I'm sorry. Anyway. I wasn't going to get it. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so, I mean, it was, it was a, just a really good experience. Um, how it worked was there was a, a recent grad that would volunteer to come and kind of like work with you. Uh, Dr. Mark Hermes, he was just like, a, he had just graduated the year before. So like he decided he was going to like come on me and Anton, uh, Dr. Anton D's trip. And he was like a big help. He really taught me like, it was the first time I ever heard the word purchase. Like when you're taking a tooth out. You know, like, I was like, what is this? What do you mean purchase? Like, you know, is like, and then I didn't, it didn't take time until I learned what that was. You know, you want to try to get as apical as possible on the root when you're elevating because you're going to have the best chance of, of getting luxation or movement on the tooth. And so he really just kind of, we started very basic. I mean, he really just kind of started showing me how to use my elevators. Um, real quick, I'll make it real quick. It's, and the DR is where I learned how to count my teeth unfortunately it was in the dr and not on some like crazy high profile case but um no x-rays i got very tunnel vision on the tooth we were taking out and i thought i was taking out number 12. so i'm like okay so like i'm like I started like, we did have a handpiece. It was like real sketch. Like, we had to use like, to have like the, the pre-dent student that came with us. Another a pre-dent student came with us too. He was using like irrigation, like with the like, like a little mono jack, like to like keep it from burning. A mono Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was real sketch. But, um, you know, long story short, I thought I was cutting tooth number 12. 12, but it was really tooth number 11. Ah. So I just could not find the frication. Like, to save my life and there's reason there's why that. i couldn't find a vacation because i was a cutting number eleven. yeah yeah
2: you know? but so you never I made that mistake again
3: never made that mistake again you know try to count my teeth before i do endo or you know um, <laughs> before i access um but yeah i've been very fortunate knock on wood that it's not i've heard of horror stories of like the wrong teeth being extracted or you know just Oof, the wrong teeth being accessed i mean that's
4: like That's like the worst thing, besides a patient dying forbid. that's like the worst thing you can do. That's the worst thing you can do,
3: you know, because then it gets all kind of like very, I don't know, it gets a little sketchy, but it happens.
0: And so the best
3: thing to do is just to be prepared. But I think the Dominican Republic trip really just just kind of broke the ice a little bit. You know, it definitely wasn't ideal conditions to be working in. It was actually a little stressful, but we really just got to learn a lot that summer.
2: Right. So when you like, when you were all set, finished with that, what did you walk out with? Did you felt like you were more comfortable with surgery or what exactly? I just, I just feel like I, I just felt
3: like I got my feet wet. You know, it was one of those things where you're, when you're starting off to do something like it can get a little bit um, nerve wracking or you can get a little anxious about, you know, like, Oh my goodness, I'm about to go and like work on an actual human not a type it on or, you know dexter or somebody like that so with that being said i just think i left with just more of like a comfortability so that when i came back to the fall semester of my fourth year i could just like get in there while maybe some of my dental classmates maybe hadn't done as many extractions you know mm-hmm. maybe i'd done like 50 to 100 or something let's just maybe more you know that summer you know that's that's invaluable experience you know, even if it wasn't the conditions that it was I just felt a little bit more comfortable coming into uh, fall semester, of my D four year. Awesome, very cool. Yeah. So you just
4: overall confidence increase from, from that trip.
3: Yeah, I felt just oh I've seen this before. Like cool, you know, took that job.
4: Cool, because yeah. I know like with extractions and everything, there's you know different ways you go about it, but everything is like usually different. I mean, you got to see with the patient, the medical history, whatever. It usually, you know, you have to take that into account. You know what I mean? I've seen that doing. I love oral surgery myself. I just re- realized i love endo today yes it was cool so i definitely would like to follow in your footsteps do more endo you know tr- like try to take on a molar maybe premolar first and work my way back in the mouth but um
3: r- r- real quick brother what? uh it's it i i you say premolar okay mm-hmm. but some of the hardest teeth i've had have been premolars
4: really why is it just like the morphology of the it's like just the very
3: small um, what's the, the word i'm saying that your 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 air Mm -hmm. Um, margin of error yeah it's just Mm -hmm. much more i think it's harder than than anterior teeth Uh, well i mean and the aspect that it's like there was a tooth that i perfed a premolar one time it was really inclined okay and this was kind of early on you know i think i came at it more of like a long axis of like their face you know when it was like more measly drifted or something Mm -hmm. and so i thought i was going the right way yeah but it just it's just all part of the experience you know where Mm -hmm. it's just like okay i need a perfect no the mesial of this tooth or something like that, you know, in the cervical area, which that's not something that's fun to go through, but it's an experience, a learning experience. So, but some of these premolars, bro, um, they can have a really weird kind of like dental or mm-hmm. root canal anatomy, like deep splits, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah. like meaning like apical, apical splits, 30. or you got to really, really go down some before you really find a second canal, mm-hmm. you know, I and mean, you can almost always assume on uh, a, maxillary first premolar, you're gonna have two canals. Mm -hmm. But my attending at my AGD said that the maxillary second premolar is the mother-in-law tooth. And I said, what do you mean by that? (laughs) And he said, if your mother-in-law comes in with number 413 and needs endo, you refer her out. Because (laughs) it is one of the most buried in just what's in that tooth. I mean, you can have one canal, two canals, three canals, you know, wide canals. So it definitely very, I mean, again, I think endo is very humbling, a very
1: humbling specialty. All right, guys, that'll do it for our interview with Dr. Jose Roque, dentist for Greenberg Dental and Orthodontics in Sarasota. He's incredible. Truly, like I said, a clinical lion. We really enjoyed learning from him. We can't wait to have him back on. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what we can do to make this the best podcast we can for you whether well, it's finding somebody to interview or you guys just sending us a name and we'll get in contact with them and interview them ourselves. So, as always, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes, give us a like, comment, review. You guys know the drill. So, as always, stay safe and my bond.